0: Hi everyone, welcome to White Coats of the Round Table, a healthcare podcast where we discuss career development, non clinical careers, and burnout prevention. My name's Mike Asbeck, and I'm here as always with John McDonald. John, how are you?
1: I'm doing swell. It's a Monday night. Mike, what could be better than sitting down with you with a nice little glass of oak flavored uh spirits?
0: Nice. Yeah. Presumably corn and uh rye. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to yeah. think what's in whiskey.
1: Yeah, I think like isn't there some sort of uh, legal like you can only have mm-hmm. so many? Oh, is that beer? That might be no, um, American both. whiskey,
0: bourbon. I'm sorry, bourbon has to be I think 51% corn, but one of our listeners I'm sure can correct us. I'm sure they will. Well, anyways, before we get deeper into this, this is off script as you can already tell. So we're a little bit distracted since it is a Monday night, but off script is our opportunity where we go unedited. uh, Unformatted, we're going to make up words here and really take more of a behind-the-scenes, discussion-based approach at one singular question. So, John, what is our question for today?
1: I think it's going to be a question that splits the room.
0: That's the best kind of question.
1: Yeah. Everybody's going to have their opinion about this as they do essential oils. So (laughs) we'll start out strong here. How do you feel and what do you think about career coaches. Now, I'll start off the conversation by saying that I have been skeptical, uh but I am now a supporter of the business structure and what it does provide certain people. But I think the conversation will go in a couple different uh down a couple top, couple different roads once I hear what you have to say about it, but uh I am a supporter Uh, I've participated in in some career coaching. Uh, I'm actually currently finishing up some career coaching, actually. So I'm going to have a different bend on this than some other folks out there. But I want to hear what you have to say about it.
0: Oh, I have a lot to say. But I am really excited and interested to hear your experience with career coaching. Because even though we talk a lot, I have yet to hear really the full assessment, in part because you have wanted to save it and make it an on-air discussion. Mm -hmm. But... My thoughts on career coaching, I would say I am a skeptic and I would break it down into two areas of criticism. I, From a mental health clinician standpoint, I'm always a little bit frustrated with career coaches because I feel like it is often teetering on the balance of being a psychotherapy session or being counseling. Mm-hmm. And career coaches are not counselors. Career coaches very often are not even healthcare providers, so they're, they're not necessarily licensed to be providing mental health counseling. And that doesn't mean that you can't provide good coaching. I mean, a lot of what you're talking about is very basic, what we would call supportive psychotherapy. You know, eat right, think positive thoughts, have structure, have routine. Those are all things that I talk about very often in my visits, but I, I do worry about that. Is At what point do you reach where yeah. a career coach may be in over their head as they're trying to deal with some of these issues. Okay, The other reason I'm not... Hold on, I want to give you my second one too. Yeah, did whole, one too. Right. Yeah.
1: You did start with number one. All
0: Twofold. Right. yeah. I, I gave a list right. of two, I got to finish my list. So the other reason I'm not a huge fan is I feel like there's not actually that much that's so proprietary about career coaching. So if you take away the pop psychology, if you take away the quasi-counselor role, I think what you're left with is well, let's clean up your resume and make it more organized. Let's help you with your LinkedIn search. Let's help identify your skill sets. And none of that, in my opinion, is really worth the price that is often charged by a career coach. I think that's all stuff that could probably be replaced by AI or chat GPT within a year. So I feel like a lot of what they're selling is hopes and dreams. They're selling a lot of pop psychology of, you know, Tony Robbins. Hey, feel good about yourself and you'll succeed. And, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I just feel like maybe it's, I don't want to say a bit of a swindle, but I don't necessarily know if the the value is there for what a lot of these career coaches charge, especially in the healthcare field. So I'll, I'll turn the field over to you to
1: counter. No, I think that's, that's probably reflective of most people who haven't considered it in the past. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm probably more apt to consider these things because I'm more of an experiential person. I I look for the dopamine in anything, right? So with impulse buying, I'm probably the one in the relationship in my marriage that I'm the impulse guy. So it's, I want to see something up front, like the flashy or whatever it is that gets your attention. Like I'm a sucker for marketing. I buy wines based off of the label a lot of the times, you know. Uh, usually if it has some old 1800s uh, bearded, the high society man on there, like that might be a high class uh, Cabernet. I'm going to buy that. So branding works. Yeah, branding works. So career coaching. We actually had someone on early on in mm-hmm. in White Coats, where uh, Alex, who runs the Happy Farm D, he runs a whole business built off of career coaching, and the byline is something about. Uh, Helping pharmacists become happy with their careers again, something like this, right? So, for myself, um, I I totally understand where you're coming from when you say say pop psychology and the dangers of maybe getting in too deep because there is a therapist type relationship, right, right that you do have with your clients uh, or with your coach if you're on the other end. But I will. I will counter though, Mike, and say, isn't that kind of everybody in our life though?
0: It is, but I don't pay thousands of dollars to people to yeah, they have
1: that relationship. That that's true. So if we're talking about cost, is is that is that really where this the barrier is for you? Is does the cost justify the means?
0: Yes, I think I would look at it and say that I am skeptical that the cost leads to an adequate
1: ROI to justify it. Mm-hmm. And okay. I'm certainly open to persuasion. Yeah. So what I would argue against for that is like anybody starting their health journey, uh, getting to a gym, personal trainer, dietitians, nutritionists, there are people who don't need those to become healthy, don't need mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to talk to someone else to identify these things. And they will just, one day, I just need to do something different. I have to change this. And they go online, they find a simple workout, and they just build on that, and it takes a little bit more time, but they get there. But then there are other people who are just, I'm morbidly obese, or maybe I've got a broken ankle, or maybe I've had injury in the past that I'm worried about, psychological issues, not wanting to go to gym by yourself because maybe you're, A female, and you don't want guys to be staring at you in the gym. Like, there's so many reasons why you would seek out somebody specific and tailored to this. So, I would say that, yeah, some people don't need this. Some people are going to find their mentors by themselves. Some people are going to be able to network uh, directly with their alma mater or other professional groups. They don't need the help. Now, even though I'm on a podcast with you talking, day after day about career progression, I still decided to pay for a service like this. And saying that out loud, Mike, it does sound a little bit strange. Why do you feel it's strange? I feel it's strange because shouldn't I be the expert mm. now, mm-hmm. right? Shouldn't I be the ones offering career coaching services? Does Tiger Woods have a coach? Yeah, everybody right? yeah.
0: has a coach. It's interesting because so, I don't see it as strange. I, in maybe part of it for me, and I want to jump in here just because I'm fascinated by the, the fact that you feel mixed about this. Because mm-hmm. I look at career coaching as something that has maybe more benefit for the upper ends of performance. Mm-hmm. Like I think of an executive coach mm-hmm. where, you know, you're getting pulled in a million different directions and you're trying to figure out when your decisions are hugely important in terms of the financial health of your company or your organization than having someone help you triage and prioritize your time and make sure that you are able to spend time on the important stuff and not sweat the small stuff. I think that's where I look at it and say, yes, I could see how a career coach can be helpful. But the flip side is I don't necessarily see as much value for someone who just has a really crummy resume or is in a job like that. So I want to dig into that a little bit deeper. Because it sounds like we have opposite views on that. So maybe my question to you is, do you feel like there's different value propositions for career coaching at different levels of someone's career?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think you parsed that out perfectly. There are those who don't know how to even start and they might go and pay for somebody right away. I think that's the wrong move. You're wasting a ton of your money, a ton of your time and probably wasting their career coach's time, too, in in the sense that, of course, they're going to help you get to where you are because you've asked them to and you're paying for the service. But imagine how much more meat you can get out of this service if you've already done the easy work. Like doing a, so, a full CV. Like We've offered that. I've offered that before here. Mm-hmm. I've done it for a few people so far coming through. The website for free. People do this for free, even. I mean, how many people have you talked to, Mike, who will say, just, yeah, let me take a look at your CV. Right. And I'll see something glaring. I'll let you know. People will offer that. So I think I actually agree with you on this part where you shouldn't pursue these until it is a barrier that you just don't know how to get over. Or you mentioned the executive levels where you're being pulled in different directions. I wouldn't say I'm an executive level at this as I'm not, but uh, we do have decisions to make as a business, Mike, right? As podcast, we have our business outside of us. I've got my consulting. We have our 40-hour job. And sometimes I I get stuck in the, what do I even do from here? Like, what do I need to prioritize? What has the best ROI? And a career coach has helped me with some of that. I won't divulge everything yet because I do want to do a whole want to do a whole episode on just career coaching and what I experienced with it. But I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I should spend most of my time on, and it was a lot of challenge. Of all right, John, what do you actually want to do? Like asking these questions that you would ask in therapy. I've been in therapy, so I know what these look like, and I actually identified that in my sessions. I was like, man this sounds a lot like therapy as I was talking to my coach. And she's like, you know, it, it kind of is it's like in the sense that in without the sense that without a license, <laughs> the sense of like, when we talked our last episode about peer to peer networking and about how to find a good mentor as well, there are things you cannot ask and you won't get clarity on certain things uh, from your supervisor or verticals that you could get somewhere else. Now, could you mm-hmm. find that advice somewhere? Yeah, I'm sure you could. Mm-hmm. But for somebody to, to understand you, the emotional state you might be in, in a very tough time, maybe you're in a rut, you feel burned out, you don't know where to go, uh, they will get a holistic view of you and be able to make recommendations off of that. So mm. for me, I went in, I already had my network lined up. I know how to work my network. Right, I know how to use social media. I know how to engage people that I don't know. I've already worked on my CV through multiple forms. I paid for a few services to see. So, like, I already had that stuff. Like, I know how to get to the next place. I I didn't know what I didn't know, and that's kind of what I paid for. Is tell me what I don't know, because I will make mistakes or errors or find barriers. Based off the idea of just not knowing that there's something out there that I maybe could avoid or pursue. So if I'm getting, if I'm getting this correct,
0: and I want to summarize that just to make sure I'm on the same page, you felt like you were hitting all the right buttons in terms of what you want to do in your career, continuing to foster and grow your career. So you wanted to hire the career coach, basically almost like an outside audit to come Mm -hmm. in and say, as a. Objective outside person. Well, here's the areas I think you're doing well. Here are the areas where I think you're lacking, or maybe you can change some things and allow that to almost be a, a checkup on your career mm-hmm. progression and make sure that what you were assessing is the correct steps were indeed the correct steps. Is that a fair way to kind of summarize yes.
1: it? All right. 100%. And I would also call it a uh, continuous mentorship as well, because mm-hmm. most of the times you have a career coach, you have a long long-time mentor for the rest of your life, rest of your career, through your progress. Because I only have so many sessions I meet with uh, this individual, but we've already established that we will continue to work down the line as I need some assistance. So it's like a great mentorship as somebody who really knows the struggles that I had to a pretty deep extent. Beneficial for me. But I do want to go one step further and talk about uh, the, monetiz- the the money side of it, the cost of these things. Because, it can cost one hundred or five hundred dollars per hour for some of these. I think the average on one of these, one of the sites evaluating, there could be there's an average of like five grand you're paying mm-hmm. for this. So if you look at it as maybe a year out, you don't make any career changes, but the other guy pays five grand and then gets a job that pays him twenty grand more, that's a pretty good ROI. I'm, I'm sure, sure if that if that's the what's stimulating you. However, the money aspect, sometimes people pay like gyms or, or personal trainers. They'll, they'll say, no, I, I'm going to pay the high amount because I know that I will not do it if I i am left to my own devices. There has to be some sort of a, a fire or a carrot on a stick where finances really do affect you. You want something to work if you're paying into it. So not that, I won't say that's why I'm doing it this way, but it definitely helps. It puts a, an attitude of seriousness to it because this isn't just my money; it's my family's money, right? I can't, it's not it's not play money. So, do
0: you feel like there's a role for career coaching if you're not looking to make a new, take a jump and do a new job?
1: I think that career coaching may be for folks who are not satisfied. That's it. Mm-hmm. If you're satisfied with where you're at and you're having a great time. Just network. Like you don't need anything more than that. I think career coaches are for people who have a specific goal. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I knew exactly where my struggles were. I was I'm pretty self aware in these areas. So when I found a coach, it's just like this is what I think. And this it really was like dating an aspect because you don't talk to your coach. You have to go through like an assessment process and they match you with somebody. And you might not like like that person. It's like therapy. You might say, nah, no, never mind. Um, I found a coach I really, really like, and I'm glad I did. So it's not like you're just matching match into some random person. You can say no, and you can find the right fit for you. So uh, I don't know if that answers your question, Mike.
0: It does. I was actually just thinking about this. If we ever do a more formal episode, which we've talked about doing to dig into career coaching, it'd be fun to have someone like Alex back on and and really have someone who is an expert in the field, because Alex is amazing. And my skepticism of career coaching should not take away from the value I think that he has brought to the pharmacy industry or just healthcare in general. Because I know he has an incredible placement rate for something like ninety percent of people that use his services end up getting a new job and and you know making that jump in the career. But if you five really, months was the average, or so five like, months, wow, yeah. 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 So it works like, clearly. So, but it'd be really fun or interesting to try and find someone to come on and really evangelize for career coaching. I'm just thinking about that as you're talking, because clearly just hearing you talk about this, it's not only something that you believe has been helpful, but it's clearly been a very positive experience that I think has left you feeling very good about it.
1: Yeah, there's, there are very specific points that I want to bring up in one of our regular episodes, a non off script episode. Okay. Uh, because I think it will be valuable for people who are considering. I, I don't think I'm going to be one to say everybody needs a, a career coach. I don't think that's the case. Um, I think career coaches would say they would love that, but they're, you're going to get people who just are not motivated. So no, not everybody needs a career coach. I think career coaches are for very specific cases of those who are just in a rut, don't know where to go, or people who know exactly what they want to do but need help getting there. And maybe a network does just can't help you with this. Maybe you don't have, you're not, you don't feel like you're in a position where you can even build a network. Okay. So
0: I was just going to say, like, dig into that more.
1: Yeah. I'm so, curious. network.
0: So, how can a career coach help network. if you feel limited in your networking?
1: So, I am, uh, extroverted you say you're introverted but when you are out in the field or when you are meeting with other professionals you come off as extroverted you know how the game is played you know how how conversations work (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's a scowl underneath there yeah that's right uh but you you've practiced enough with it right you're you're patient facing and you're you're talking to a lot of high-level providers at some of these conferences or um even when you're on ad boards, right? Mm-hmm. That's not, I don't think that's normal uh, in the in the industry, mm-hmm. in the healthcare industry. Most people in the hospital system, they're not even dealing face-to-face with patients much. It's It might be a bedside visit and go. You're dealing with providers more. So if you know how to talk to people, you're going to be able to network a lot easier, but there are going to be people who don't have the skills necessary to even move in their career. Maybe they actually need help with uh, speaking or caring conversation or learning how to cold email, call, talk to people, not waste others' time. Like there are skills that don't come natural to some folks and they won't recognize that that's a problem until they're evaluated by somebody. Yeah, that's such a
0: great point because we've talked about it in the networking episode that one of the perils of clinical work in healthcare is let's say you work in a primary care setting. You may just see the same 10 or 15 people every day at work, Mm -hmm. and if you're not going to conferences, if you're not part of professional associations, you may have no interaction with the outside world. With other peers, you see the same colleagues, you know, the same other PAs, NPs, physicians, nurses, and that's it. And that is problematic if you are trying to find a different job. It's problematic if you are wanting to stay abreast on the latest clinical developments or research but it's also problematic in career development, just simple things such as networking and finding opportunities to teach at a local Mm -hmm. university or write for a local journal. So it is tough. And I know it is a little bit unusual to have a healthcare job like you and I do, where we do a lot of consulting and have a lot of externally facing things. So how can a career coach level you up in terms of networking? What is your thoughts on that? Have you seen any change in your networking? And do you feel more broadly, can career coaching make a change or offer opportunities to network if there are people that are more limited in their ability based on their clinical setting?
1: Well, there's a couple different ways you find a career coach, first of all. And one of these ways are uh, identifying who has already had experience in that field before. Like You might find somebody who has no experience in the healthcare field, but they're just wonderful career coaches. And it's general information that anybody could use. However, you might find that person who was a nurse, was a pharmacist, of PA, and MD, and wants to help others move in that direction, that positive direction in their career. Uh, if you have those individuals, if you do well in your career coaching and you show motivation, you show niche part about you that this career coach likes, there's a network avenue right there for you. They, if they see something come across their board, they're probably going to recommend you because they know what your capabilities are, right? So that's probably the value I might have with mine um, because I don't think, I think we actually mostly skipped my, my portion on networking because how I network, I think is very efficient. Um, and in explaining how I did that with my career coach, she agreed, very efficient. There's nothing really to change there. We're doing all the right stuff. Honestly, being on a podcast, too, Mike, we've talked about Can this. you walk us through that, though?
0: What, How what I is, do this? Yeah. What is your approach to networking?
1: Okay. So I'll start when uh, I was originally just looking for different opportunities for consulting. I went on LinkedIn, started becoming active on there. Um, and then I saw this very s- similar people just rolling every single day on my LinkedIn page, almost like your TikTok for you page like okay these faces look similar they're posting a lot of the same stuff i'm going to reach out to them just cold email not keep it very short to the point saying hey you know i've been noticing stuff around my page i make sure that they know that i'm not just a bot i'm saying something very specific about them that i like and hope to see more of this thing and if they respond or if we connect on there and, and i feel as though maybe we can go a little bit deeper i'll reach out and say hey I've noticed that you worked in this space. Do you think you'd be okay for like a 10, 15 minute call sometime just so I could ask you some questions? I don't I think maybe I was turned down twice out of a hundred of those. It was an amazing success rate. Really. great. Yeah. So that's how I started off my network, which is now really large, because uh, I was started just making cold emails um and cold touch points, comments on LinkedIn. I didn't do it sneakily. It wasn't like I was subversive with this thing. It's just, this is how we have to communicate with each other. We've talked about other peer-to-peer networking boards too, like Doximity. It's just that LinkedIn is the most pervasive networking platform for healthcare professionals, probably for most professionals, honestly.
0: And I think it's sadly underutilized. I think the people that are on LinkedIn get it, but the people that are not, should be because if you're looking to change careers or you know my goodness my brother always says if you're not constantly looking for a new job you're doing something wrong he loves his job he's very happy at his job but he's always looking at different opportunities and he'll interview for different positions every couple months in part just to make sure that his compensation is still at market that his current job is still compensating compensating him in a manner that he feels is fair and appropriate but it's the whole what is that the the michael jordan you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Or was that Wayne Gretzky? Wayne Gretzky. Okay. Um, Michael Scott, Michael Scott. I was going to say it's a Michael <laughs> Scott quote, but I don't remember the original athlete. <laughs> so his mentality is I'm just always looking because I ne- I'm not going to miss that incredible mm-hmm. one in a million opportunity by saying, Oh no, I'm happy in my job. So well, let's, LinkedIn. That, yeah. Right. LinkedIn allows that to happen though, because it's essentially a living, breathing CV that is constantly being updated and then constantly interacting with other professionals and allowing them to review and see if you're a good fit for a, a different opportunity.
1: When we did our last episode with Tom Caravella on MSLs, how many people asked you what an MSL was? Oh my goodness. I know. Shocking. I didn't know what that yes. was.
0: I thought that you was a ubiquitous of term.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You would see those things if you were on LinkedIn more though. it's There are these jobs out there that people had no idea where it was, was even a possibility. So yeah networking is one of the biggest parts about career coaching that is part of the assessment. is how big is your network and are you utilizing it? Because you can have a large network, but if you're not using it, it's pointless. Mm -hmm. So really career coaching, I'm going to give you the three points. What they're doing is they're trying to identify your goals because they might not, you might not even know what your goals are, but the career coach definitely needs to know. Maybe you need to figure that out together. We need to figure out your strengths and weaknesses. And then you need to find your areas for development where you are underutilizing or maybe don't have the skill sets. So you're really doing a SWOT analysis for your career, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Um, we do this with our businesses all the time. Uh, we should do it with our careers because how many times are people laid off, not even understanding that their job is under threat and they, maybe they haven't developed themselves. I think about when pharmacists were required to start immunizing. Uh there was a bunch of pharmacists that said, nope, I did not sign up for this. I don't want to touch anybody. I'm out. Hmm. And they got fired from almost every single job like they would go to another location and then they would say no, you have to get immuni- immunization certification and you left again. I mean, you have to go you have to move with your professional times. Yeah, it's a it's a good example of just
0: professional healthcare disruption and the need to always be evolving and kind of looking forward. We talked about this with AI it's so important as a healthcare professional to make sure that you're staying abreast to those types of developments, not only clinically, but also in a career standpoint, because if you don't, you're going to get left behind.
1: You, I would look at you in that first um, assessment. I would say you don't need a career coach, Mike. I think that you, you like career in, in the sense of the, tra- direct, the trajectory you are moving along, right? You, You're not where you want to be Exactly. You have some sort of a dream, but you are constantly climbing to that position or moving towards that direction where someone like myself who is kind of like experimenting in different areas and finding out what I actually like, what I don't like, what I'm good at, what I'm not so good at. I need some more support than someone like you do. I would counter that though
0: because I think... If I were to hire a career coach, aside from whether I think the ROI is there, because that that would be the sticking point, not whether I think it would be beneficial, but whether it would be worth the money paid. If I were to hire a career coach, the biggest thing that I'd be looking for out of that is networking, as you discussed, because I think so much of healthcare opportunities comes from that, but then also time management.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: On my end, my biggest problem right now is triaging my time in trying to figure out what activities I should be investing time into, what activities I should be trying to delegate to other people on the team, or simply saying no to. It's hard because I think when you're churning, when you're trying to build a career and trying to establish yourself in your 20s or in your early 30s, very often you're saying yes to things that are maybe less than desirable. We talked about this, you know, maybe teaching at you know, a school for a hundred bucks for a three-hour lecture. And then eventually you reach a point where you got to stop being the nice guy and you got to stop being the Johnny on the spot guy organization and say, no, my time is more valuable than this task. And that's a hard thing to do because you don't want to disappoint people. You don't want to Mm -hmm. say no, because very often it may be work that you enjoy. It may be work that is still very meaningful, but at the same time, there's only so many hours in the day. And, you know, you reach a point in your career where, as you said, things are where you want them to be or where you've built them to be. And then it's important to make sure that you're continuing to progress and move in the right direction, but also say no and maintain good balance and triage your time. So I think there is value there. It's just my end. I would look then say, yeah, but I don't know if paying several grand to a career coach right now would Mm. give an ROI that's worthwhile.
1: Yeah. So maybe when we do talk about this on one of our regular episodes, we break down costs and see what ROI really looks like and see... The, the amount that I'm paying versus other what other companies are offering, what does that actually look like? Is it worth it in dollars per hour what you're getting?
0: You know me, I'm an analytical guy. So if if you Let's make a spreadsheet and show me that it's worthwhile, I'm in.
1: Yeah. But to your point with the executives, there are special programs that we're going to talk mm-hmm. about for executives C suite level, even just physician only uh coaching especially coming out of burnout. Uh the national national something HQ about the healthcare quality. We we brought them up. I think it's NIHQ. Yeah, National Institute of Health Quality. We talked about burnout with them. They actually offer some career coaching and mentoring for physicians who are going through that. So I think there's a lot of meat to actually go through. Um we can hear it from their side as well because they're going to talk about the benefits more than they are for the risks Uh, and we will find some explanations about the risks or maybe the negative aspects of the roi that we're talking about right now uh, on the main episode it's awesome i think
0: that's a good spot to end and we'll uh, pick it up in the future because i definitely think this is a topic of of value I don't know about your LinkedIn, but I see a lot of people that are doing various levels of career coaching and different things like that. Mm -hmm. And maybe in the next episode, we can talk about how to determine whether a career coach is a good coach or not. Because I think there's a lot of people out there that are um, hustling and working really hard, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are delivering results. So how do you vet those career coaches and make sure that if you're going to invest in this for your career, you're picking someone that's going to actually give you that ROI that we keep talking about? But otherwise, John, this has been fun. I do love our off-scripts. It's always good to just sit and chat. I feel like listeners actually get to experience what it's like if you and I just go to the bar and have a drink.
1: Yeah. Speaking of, what are you drinking?
0: Today I am drinking Long Branch Whiskey, which is pretty good. Long Branch? I'm in in the flavor membership. Natalie got it for me for Christmas. So every two months I think I get a new bottle to try. So it's been a lot of fun to try different stuff that I wouldn't normally
1: buy. You know... It's it's odd. I was thinking back to my first years of pharmacy and finally I had some money to spend. <laughs> and the money, I was spending way too much on really good liquor and mm-hmm. I stopped that. But I don't remember the last time I bought whiskey. What I'm drinking now, I, I don't need to... Well, that's the beauty of it. It keeps... Yeah, but let me show you this. This little, little crystal...
0: Well, just after we promised that we don't edit these, I just had to take out a 10 minute rant on John's part regarding Buffalo Trace. But, oh. anyways, John, thank you for off script, a little bit edited today, and we'll talk next week.